listeners. Welcome back to 444 Westminster, a podcast about planning and development in the city of Providence that aims to give you, our listener, a better understanding of topics related to planning a city. Whether you're listening from Providence or elsewhere, we are glad that you're here. My name is Tim Rondo, and I'm the Director of Communications and External Affairs and experiencing mild aggravation at drivers who text at stoplights because half the time they're green and you just need to go. Um, This is our ninth episode, and we are nearing the end of the first season of this podcast. As always, I am super open to hearing feedback on these, so feel free to engage with us on our socials and be sure to have a listen to our first eight episodes if you haven't already. And if you've listened already, thanks for the support. I hope you're finding value in them um, in whatever form that means to you. And today, for the first time, I am joined by a member of my own team. He is Providence City Planning's Neighborhood Liaison and Communications Specialist, facilitating two-way communication and collaboration with neighborhood, community, and business groups across Providence, as well as greatly contributing to planning's online social media presence. He is a proud product of Providence Public Schools and various community organizations that played a role in his upbringing, including PSU, St. Michael's Church, and Providence Sports and Leadership. Since receiving his bachelor's in government from Harvard in 2018, he spent time living in Ireland, where he coordinated community engagement on local government projects, studied urban planning, and played on the Irish national baseball team. A big 444 welcome to Tim Shea. Thank you, Tim, for coming on the podcast. How are you today? Not that I didn't see you earlier today. (laughs) Thanks so much, Tim. I'm honored to be here. Of course. Long time listener, first time caller. Before we get to the subject at hand, I think you know the drill. Um, I know for a fact that you've listened to all of these episodes. So logically, your answers to these questions should be top notch. Um, Oh, gosh. I don't make the rules, but I kind of do make the rules on this podcast. So um, I'm sure that you're prepared for this one. So um, what is your favorite spot to visit in Providence? So I did. I did give this one some forethought. Um, and I've decided given, uh, these beautiful summer nights we're having, um, my favorite place to visit in Providence at this time is a baseball field in Providence on a summer night when there's a game going on, whether that be Davis park, Joe Williams, Fargnoli park, just where there's energy. There might be some Dominican baseball chance. There's some good snacks from the snack bar, just hanging out, enjoying some great baseball. If you could keep a non-traditional pet, what animal would you adopt and why? Um, so a donkey, final okay. answer, <laughs> because uh, they're adorable. They're, they often look a bit sad, but they really just kind of hang out. You feed them vegetables um, and they'll, they'll engage, but like not too much. Yeah. But really just that they're cute. I'm thinking Eeyore. I, I exactly you are yeah yeah precisely got it um i would do piglet that's fine uh if you didn't live in new england where would you live so i i have recently lived in dublin in ireland and i i would i think i would say dublin it's a great city it's got some youthful energy there's all sorts of interesting politics especially around urban development um but there, i also you know there's kind of that family-friendly social pub culture that I really appreciate. Good live music. It's never too hot. So Dublin. That that sounds like my space then. I can't stand the heat. And also my grandmother um, 
my grandmother was from Galway. So I've been trying to get there for 36 years and I'm committed with my mom to, to visit at some point within the next couple of years. So what is something that you learned about yourself during the pandemic? So I think I realized that being close to family and communities is really important. Probably a lot of other folks realize that too, but but I am really lucky to have strong, meaningful relationships with uh, my sibling and my parents and um, video and phone calls. They're just not really enough. You kind of need those casual day-to-day interactions with those people that mean a lot to you. So, Absolutely. I, I also think... Um... There's something to be said for working from home. I think that it, it's it's good for accessibility reasons. It's good for uh, work-life balance reasons. But I do need that balance of going into an office and, and seeing the people that I know um, join me in caring about the planning of our city and and just our our friends, like you know our co our colleagues, our friends. And it's good to see people and interact with people in a live fashion. So totally agree. Absolutely. Uh, Now that we have the important questions answered, let's move on to the topic of today's podcast, which is community liaising. Um, And I may be biased because we work together, but I do think that you're incredibly invested in Providence. Um, You kind of bring a combination of innate and learned skill to the job. So I'm really excited for folks to hear your take on why um, two-way communication and relationship building is important in planning uh, beyond the obvious. As I mentioned earlier, you grew up in Providence. Um, Of course, someone doesn't need to be born and raised in a place to make a meaningful impact in that place, but I think in your case, it helps. What does Providence mean to you and how does that inform your your work? Yeah, so as as you mentioned, so um, I was raised in the city and I think between going to public schools around our city, going to church in different neighborhoods, um, you know, sports really brought me around Providence. I think all of them really made me aware of and connected to a lot of the diversity and the, the, um, the assets of neighborhoods across our city. You know, one, one really, you know, one community that made a real impact to me was St. Michael's church growing up. Um, it was a place that, you know, really, um, it was teaching kind of a social gospel, but it was a really, really multicultural community at the time. So there was a small English-speaking community, but a big Haitian community, big Spanish-speaking community. There's Hmong community. So just you know, this these spaces where you really saw the value in multiculturalism and in people coming together for shared purpose and. St. Michael's, I was really around promoting peace and social justice. Um, I'm not too religious now, but, but you know, it really, those values were important to me. And I think to bring this back to, you know, why does that relate to this role? I think um, just having, you know, pre-existing relationships and awareness of dynamics in neighborhoods is important, but really at the end of the day, just coming in with a deep empathy for the perspectives of our our diverse communities is is really meaningful. I really I feel like I have a stake in the issues that we're talking about um, and I want to make sure that people feel a part of the planning system and a part of planning in Providence. Yeah, we have I think it's 26 neighborhoods, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but every single neighborhood has such a very unique way of being and and set of um, cultural values. And Providence is not a monolith. And to know all of the diverse um, backgrounds that exist here, all of the you know different priorities that we all have, um, and and ways of living and and um, and focuses in our day to day lives, I think 
it's important to um, to just really grasp that. And I think you know, spending a lot of time here, knowing that we have all of these different needs that uh, deserve to be brought into the conversation, is super important. What does the day to day work of a community liaison entail? Uh, how does it support the overall mission of city planning? So at the end of the day, it's really about building and maintaining relationships, whether or not we have an important project in that neighborhood or not, um, just to make people feel connected to the change that's going on in their neighborhood and enable our planning to be more responsive and collaborative. So, you know, it can look like attending neighborhood meetings, merchants association meetings, chasing down questions and queries for community members, um, posting information online and sharing that information, and then really working internally to make sure that what I hear at a meeting makes it to our planners and then the, the updates from the planners make it to the community. Um, but, you know, one example that comes to mind is our big Broad Street Improvement Project, which, you know, has been going on for multiple years. And there's been a lot of different phases of engagement dating back to 2017, 2018. So none of this work would be possible without our community partners. So specifically on the Broad Street Project, we work with the Providence Streets Coalition going door to door to businesses canvassing, and they've They've built up relationships along Broad Street. You know, we've made sure to make sure that all our materials are translated, uh, make sure that information's as accessible as possible. Um, but we also do, you know, additionally, we've done things like had meetings directly with all the Jimmy truck owners on Broad Street to make sure um, that we have good solutions for where they'll park with the new traffic layout. A huge shout out to Alex Batista and the mayor's community relations team for making sure that we're connected with the Latino business owners on Broad Street. Um, at the end of the day, that's that's what it's all about. For sure. Yeah. I think I think Broad is a great example. Actually, I think engagement has gone been going on for, for multiple years now, but until the construction starts and, and new traffic patterns start to emerge and those changes begin to unfold, you know, not everyone is paying as close attention as maybe we are because we're in charge of this project. So I think it's important, especially during those last phases, to get out there and and do the work that you and and some other folks have been doing. But I think as you were sort of alluding to, it's a it's a multi-pronged approach. It's making sure that um, all of our materials are translated, obviously, because Broad is such a largely Spanish-speaking community, making sure that questions and concerns that come up later on are addressed. If I could add one, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, there might be, you know, questions or, or critiques that come up from business owners, from community members at this implementation phase, but but we've still had opportunities to make the project more responsive, even at this phase. What are some significant challenges that you've run into since beginning the role? And if you can expand generally, what are some challenges that you think might be common for planning departments when trying to establish meaningful connections and communication with community members? So I think, you know, one obvious challenge is capacity, you know, right. having the time to commit, to spread our presence around to as many neighborhoods as possible to make sure we're hearing from people and providing updates. Uh, we do have a lot of neighborhoods. Kind of relatedly is that some neighborhoods are well, uh, air quotes, organized kind of in a traditional sense that they might have a neighborhood association that's very active, or they might have a counselor that runs a ward meeting every month. Then there are other neighborhoods that are just organized in non-traditional ways. So making sure that we're connecting with the communities that exist is, is always a bit tricky and we're always learning um, and always trying to reduce barriers to participation and information in any context. So 
innovation is key there. And then, you know, one last challenge that comes to mind is, is really just kind of communicating our work back to residents. We just have to, you know, make sure that it's clear when our work is responsive to needs. And I think that's really important in building trust over time is just showing that we heard this and this is why this project includes this. So planning can be complex and have tensions and challenges and a lot of competing interests. Um, but being able to show responsiveness and just build trust over time is really key. Yeah. And I think to build trust is something that a lot of planning departments will aspire to, but it's really knowing that if trust has been betrayed in the past, that it's a process and, and you've got to, you've got to build that trust by showing up consistently. Um, you know, as far as other challenges, I think, you know, over the last 10 to 15 years, especially since the beginning of the pandemic, Folks are relying more and more on communication and engagement in virtual settings that we're looking at that when we're talking about social media output and making sure that folks have the most up-to-date information on certain public meetings that are applicable to our planning department and making sure that our information is, is translated into multiple languages to have another way of reducing um, accessibility issues, reducing silos, making sure that um, we're hitting the most amount of folks as we can and you know using a multi-channel approach to that. We're looking to bring in an online engagement platform that would sort of standardize and streamline all of our engagement for the various projects that city planning undertakes to have those centralized in one space where folks get used to knowing that that's where you go to give feedback to the planning department. And as that sort of begins to become more second nature to our community members, I think those opportunities are going to allow us to, um, to really continue to not only increase engagement and meaningful engagement, but also to um, build that trust that you're referring to. I just alluded to a little bit, but I on the second episode that I know you'll to, I spoke to Jess Lance and we spoke about comprehensive plans and that Providence was going to be updating ours soon. You've taken a significant role in the strategy for community engagement for updating this comp plan. Is there anything that you can share about that? Yes. So we are super excited about the comprehensive plan. You know, just brief reminder, it comes up once every decade. We look at a 20-year horizon and think about how um, we want the city to develop over these 20 years across a number of issues like housing, sustainability, public space, et cetera. See episode two for a great intro to the comp plan. But the engagement process is a really exciting opportunity. We're going to do multiple phases of engagement over, you know, late this summer into next into the fall, into next spring, um, where we're trying to meet people where they're at, at your local um, park, at your farmer's market, at existing community meetings that you might be going to um, and we'll we'll engage iteratively so starting with kind of visioning with people um, giving some information so people are kind of empowered to participate um, but then eventually go through different strategy options with folks and then finally kind of check back in as we're really drafting this plan um, and show drafts and get feedback. So it's a really exciting process and an important one. And we can't wait to get out into the neighborhoods with it. 
I, I know for, you know, as far as our team is concerned, um, we've been spending a lot of time over the last, I'm going to say five months, just really developing uh, comprehensive materials that are going to tell the story of what a comp plan is, help folks to understand. I know from my perspective, I, I didn't know much about comp plans before being in this role. So making sure that our community members, most of whom don't know what a comp plan is, probably know what that is and how they're engaging and why they want to engage. I know that there are different priorities for each neighborhood and we're interested in learning what those priorities are and how we can take that feedback and move to update certain parts of um, the comp plan to better reflect the needs of our residents. And that's what this process is for. So that is all I've got. Thanks for agreeing to join me today, Tim. We really appreciate all the hard work you're doing on behalf of city planning. If, you, if you're at a neighborhood meeting or a ward meeting and you see Tim there, feel free to introduce yourself and say Please hi. Please say hi, definitely. Yeah, yeah for sure. He's um, there willing and, and ready to talk to you and even field questions and concerns. So definitely touch base with Tim. Um, and thanks to you, listener. We plan on uploading a new episode every other Thursday. So subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts to get new episodes delivered to your feed when they're posted. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Prob Planning and on Instagram at Providence Planning. Until next time. Thanks again, Tim. Thanks for having me, Tim. Thanks for having me, Tim.